Hi folks, welcome to the next edition of Serverless Crack with myself Dave Anderson, author and contributor to Serverless Edge and technical fellow at Bizarre Voice. Hi everyone, Mark McCann, architect at Globalization Partners and author and contributor at the Serverless Edge. Hey, Matt, Michael Riley, I'm software architect with GP and contributor with Service Edge. Hello. You're going to say Matt already there? Matt, like Matt, it's a good name. Um, so we just had a, we were, we've been talking about reInvent a wee bit this past few weeks. And um, one of the things that we didn't talk about was serverless espresso or serverless espresso, which I, I thought was probably worth exploring. Um, it's like serverless espresso. Smashed on day one, and Serverless Espresso started off as a lab that some of the AWS serverless developer advocates put together. And uh, I think in 2021, it was just a, a, a stall in Expo Hall, and then they've they've done a world tour with it, and it was back in reInvent again. But I thought it might be worth talking about that because I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, and I'll just explain what it is first. So what they do is in the expo hall in any of the AWS summits, they have this barista, a proper barista set up, and you walk up and there's a QR code with a screen in the background. So we scan the QR code and you, you, you pop in your email address or something. And then it basically um, it pops up a little menu and you say if you want like an Americano or an espresso and you pick the type of coffee you want. And then what it does is it kicks off um, a flow, an event-driven flow, which pops around using like some event-driven server stuff under the hood, and eventually pops up on the screen as a number, and then the brace looks up, sees the number, makes your coffee, it just calls it number 57 and gives it to you. But what's happened in the background there is there's a whole load of orchestration and choreography around events, and um, it's the, they've been using it as a way to explain sort of basically a serverless event-driven architecture. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's 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 been brilliant. I know Werner called it out in the keynote as well. So they got a good shout out, which is great. And I think it's event driven architecture can be hard to, for people to conceptually wrap their heads around. So I think making it real with ordering coffee and and showing it how how a coffee process and an event driven coffee ordering system works makes it makes it real. It demystifies it a little bit. It removes some of the oh event driven architecture that sounds really hard. This makes it really really um more more approachable. It's also the best cup of coffee you get in rain events, so it's always good to stand and order your coffee and then <laughs> chat with the people at the stand. Um, I, th I thought I know there's a few people. Uh, James Bestwick, um, I think it was Ben Smith, um, Eric Johnson, Julian Wood. There's a whole bunch of them have, have been working on it. Um, so it's and one of the things that after I seen it for the first time, they said that when they wrote it, they've 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 put it together properly. So it's a it's a properly well architected, well designed service event um, application. Which, which is cool yeah i think so i think it's 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 really great that it's stitching together a lot of stuff that we've been advocate for in a way that makes sense right so all the using AWS step functions it's using event bridge you got lambda api gateway s3 dynamo db cognito in there as well um so it really brings brings the bear a lot of the the really great technology that we would be advocating for in a way that's practical and easily consumable and the workshop is very very good at walking you through the steps about why you're doing what you're doing and then how to do it and then how to set up the rules and how to set up everything. So it's really is a is a great way to get hands-on with event-driven architectures, serverless in a practical way. So I think it's it, it'll take you from zero to five um and 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 a serverless event-driven architecture. That's it's really good. It's cool as well because you, you you can track it because I mean when you when you put in your order that's a service. 
which pops that event for something ordered onto EventBridge, which then pops back on the, the step function, which then takes it through like an orchestration flow around, you know, are we open? Do we have capacity? Um, what have you ordered? Do we have any milk for a, like a latte or whatever? So it works through all the steps. And then it, there, there's failure states as well. Like So it's it's neat the way you see the interaction come back and forward. But what's also quite cool about it is um, they put the whole thing as a lab that you can sit and step through yourself and you can see exactly how it's implemented and spin it up. So it's a, it's a free lab, which is nice. Yeah, just kind of looking at the, the lab now. And um, it's good what they've done, actually, looking at it, you know, even from a perspective of, we, we talked about that term before, existence proof. You know, here you go. You've got a real-time front-end application with an app, you know, like an app hosting a QR code. Mm-hmm. You're on your phone doing real-time transactions, you know, interacting. Um, you know, and there's a lot of myths around serverless. Oh, well, it's all kind of... Um, you know, batch-based workloads or spike-based workloads. No, here's a real-time application, you know, that can kind of scale up and do all these sorts of things. So, yeah, it's looking pretty cool. Yeah, And you know, it's dead cheap to run as well. Like, and it is proper events, like coffee order, et cetera. And, you know, it's proper event, not just messages. Yeah, very good. So so if you you think they actually talk about it in the workshop, if if you fire it up, it's like, 30p 50p maybe 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 a dollar if you if you set up the workshop and run like a thousand requests it. but i think um aws in particular the last year or so have been really good at sort of lowering the barrier to entry for these you know, these technologies and a lot of those workshops are really great ways to be able to self-start self-serve so there's this one there's lots of other workshops that are that are equally as good for getting started with with some of these technologies mm. and i would say there's, there's there's two kind of myths or in this space that I I think they're trying to dispel. Uh, I think we we first started talking about eventual architecture. Oh, and I think it was about thirteen years ago. We had this mad idea of doing something, and back then it was really difficult because you didn't have a lot of support. So it was a really hard problem to solve technically. The stuff that the the foundations just weren't there. That's the first one that it used to be really hard, and it was always a hard thing to do. The second thing is people think of serverless as just writing all your code and functions. It's mm-hmm. actually more like an event-driven architecture sure. where it's it's events firing off activity, not a, like a call stack. So when you bring these together, you have you have it's I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's it's a lot easier to build a full event-driven architecture than it would have been years ago. So I think that's what's nice. They're almost saying the technical challenge of this is not as bad as you think it is. Yeah. I would I would argue what I'm looking at there on the review page of it is a modern application. Mm. A modern a modern app is what AWS call it. You know what I mean? So when you look at this, it's replaced a lot of the old traditional framework adage that you would have had to pull in and mm. and it's just that it's just like a aggregation and integration of all these various managed services to assemble that modern mm. day application that we've I think we talked about that in previous mm. Yeah, we've talked about it in the past, but standing up an enterprise service bus in the past, you would need a lot of money and a lot of time. And Kinesis or even some of the old IBM stack that we used in the past, right? Mm. You can do this yourself. And it's really, really, really inexpensive. That's that's just allows you to experiment rapidly and get really good feedback and learn really, really quickly. And you can get your teams without fear of, you know, costing a fortune i remember back in the day but in previous companies a few companies ago but before liberty i remember one time somebody saying our strategy for the next five years is esb enterprise service bus we're going to spend mm-hmm. three years building it you're going like okay and now you can spin one up in half an hour um it's not slick but i mean i think 
I'd say that the, the technical challenges are are pretty done. So, but so what what are the challenges do you think about standard event driven architecture? Um, you know, I I'd, I'd say a lot of the challenges I I kind of find in um, event driven architectures are socio technical. Um, so like when you're thinking about um the hardest thing is probably well do you do good domain driven design what are your what are your boundaries you know what teams have you got aligned with those bounded contexts those domains um you know who owns them um for me they're not really technology problems anymore they're more you have to be able to solve the socio-technical side of things um which is probably the main thing. I don't know, Mark or David, would you guys run into more? But I find they're the they're the sticky things that take a wee, you know, yeah, and a wee bit of homework up front. And it's even just trying to tease out, well, who are the actual users and what are their needs? And right. what are the types of events that need to flow through this process or this business process uh, that need to be handled by you know, these domains? So like, um, you know, just bringing that shared understanding and bringing everyone to the same page about, you know, what, what are the events that are flowing through your system? What are the actual key moments that matter in your business? Um, you mm. know, have you captured them appropriately? You know, and you know, we, we, we would bring to birth those collaborative workshops like event storming or event bridge storming to really sort of tease those things out. Well, well that's a cracking point because I know there was definitely a cracking presentation at, at um, the previous reInvent there where they talk about like three different types of event, events. I think it was Martin Fowler. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, and Gregor Holt did that as well. I remember seeing him on EDA Day. He did that. Yeah. So, so a big part of that as well is like once you define your domains and, and Mark, what you're talking about there is like, you know, it's just a wee bit of consistency. And I do feel like you got to have a wee bit of engineering rigor and discipline around, well, here's how we event. And here, more importantly, here's the tooling around how we event. Um, yeah. Here's standard ways to solve for, uh, you know, transactionality, correlations, and um, yeah. item potency. And, and they're all. They're all problems that you can solve. Like I think the organizational one is a good one. And what I like about Serve Espresso is yeah. there's really simple interactions. You sit and order the thing. It goes to the barista who makes the coffee, and then he gives it back to you. There's just, it's just a single, one. there's one interaction and a second one. If that had to be like you would talk to someone and they would talk to a waiter, the waiter would talk to a barista, the barista would talk to a milk person, the milk person talk to a waiter. If there was six or seven people in that flow, it would get confusing. Which, when you in a company, if a business process is owned by six or seven teams, or even across two or three departments, that's where it gets messy. You know what I mean? If a single team builds something mm -hmm. for the customer directly, and there's no one else, it's usually pretty clean because you can see everything that needs to happen. You control, but I think when it gets complicated is if a business process is split over many yeah. teams and departments. Yeah. But that's the and you're right, Michael. That is a totally socio-technical problem. Yeah, like a lot of this was making that visible, like big room event storming, that type of thing, just to, just to tease all of this out and get it on to on, uh, get a shared language and a shared understanding of what uh, what is the actual process. I think uh, mm. is, is some of the, the biggest challenges. And I think when, when you do have those domains and you're like using that bounded context canvas to understand, well, who are the collaborators for this domain? Mm. What events will it listen to? What rules will it apply to it? What processes will it do? And then who will it, uh, what events will it emit? You know, become you know that's that's the key of this right is, is understanding what those boundary context do and what they what they will listen well, to and what they will produce just on the org thing though would you have it and you and you guys um you may have experienced it more than i have so i guess in my head 
you know, if, you, if you're looking in sort of traditional architectures where you have to go after the ops and, and you have to have a team that stands up the core event and kind of the core event stream or that, you know, that, that backbone, and that can take a period of time and then it becomes difficult to change. You know, whereas in these sorts of environments where we're talking about rapid delivery kind of approaches, we're talking about, you know, building block type mentality. And um, I would find that what I'm finding when I'm working with EventBridge and, and, and working in these sorts of ways is we're talking more about the, the you know, the, the value add stuff. Like wh- what are the disciplines around? How do we make this really resilient? How do we, what are the practices to keep this things up and running? How do we maintain all that? And we're not talking about, Oh well, what what what's the what's the nuances of standing up like a Kafka and you know our partitions yeah. and zookeepers and oh well who's the team who do I need to go and talk to to get that provisioned and you know and and then yeah. you're losing the ability to then just focus but on take, making building all the resiliency you know well that's all taken off the table you know what I mean by by using this type of approach which is why I think it's nice and that's why I think Service Espresso Lab is good because it makes all those the, the opinions are put out for you and then you mm-hmm. just add on that bit which is your your business process flow and go back to the book the the value flywheel in fact in the value flywheel that that first phase is about clarity of purpose and clarity of purpose sometimes has been really clear about what's the what's the customer and the business flow we're trying to build here and let's have a good debate about how we're going to do that and then when you get to the technical side that opinion is already there and you can then focus on just getting that getting the orchestration correct because you know that um mm. a lot of the underlying stuff it's not completely solved, but it's pretty much solved for you, like apart from just making it behave right. Yeah, and that's it. You, you want to position your teams higher up the value chain. Um, if they're chasing their tail, chasing low-level technologies, trying to stitch all this stuff together, they can't be, like Mike mentioned, talking about the higher-order stuff, talking about the, the well-architected nature of it, talking about you know, the, the business value and working with the business to tease out new innovative capabilities or, or services and extending the event of an architecture with a new capability or a new offering. Right? And, mm. uh, so I think you're removing a lot of the undifferentiated stuff by following oh, completely. And, and adopting the technologies that the Serverless Expresso Labs sort of are uh, advocating for. So you're focused more on What's the actual value here? What's the business process? What is the what what what? How can I make this better? How can I make this more scalable? How can I do add more business value? Is what your team is focusing on, not how do I scale my cluster of you know, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Well, that's it. If you're most senior engineer in your value stream team is trying to scale a bunch of VC twos, then you're uh, you're you're working up the wrong tree. Yeah. Um. So that's a crack. I mean, um. So good kudos. I mean, I'll definitely go and look at that that lab or I think it's workshop.serverlesscoffee.com or just just search for serverless presso. Um and a big kudos to the the serverless developer advocate team. They're mostly on serverlessland.com. Is that the right URL, isn't it? Serverlessland.com where they they have a bunch of their labs and stuff, but I would definitely look up the um that workshop.serverlesscoffee.com. It's an AWS workshop, but it's definitely worth looking at. So that's a crack. Uh, well, thanks for listening. So um, give us a, a, a like on at Serverless Age on Twitter and um, at the serverlessage.com blog and give us a give us a, a subscribe on the YouTube channel as well. Thank you very much. Bye, everybody. Have a good one.